African Americans still didn't have the same rights as white Americans, but jazz was music that both white and black people could enjoy. You know, so by the 1920s, jazz was growing in popularity. Jazz was a reflection of what we wanted our community to be. You know, it really, to me, jazz was universal. Music was universal. We connected and were able to celebrate our differences through the power of jazz. Shane Morrow is the co-founder and director of Jazzanuga, a local arts organization focused on promoting jazz music through performance and education. Each April, Jazzanuga hosts a citywide jazz celebration, and in today's episode, we preview the month-long showcase, as well as discuss the rich musical heritage of Chattanooga. This is the Camp House Podcast, and I am your host, Matt Busby. Well, Shane, welcome back to the podcast. Well, thank you for having me coming back. Yeah, um, so Shane was actually part of our Big Nine panel, the Live on the Big Nine episode that we did, the Legacy of the Big Nine episode that we did. And so, you know, Shane, you'll be uh, happy to know that you're the first person to be on the podcast twice now. Really? Yeah. yeah. All right, where is my award? Where's oh, my yes. award? I'm going to get you a plaque or something. <laughs> Please, something we can add to the wall. Yep, yep. <laughs> Well, this is great. That's we're actually great. recording in Jazzanooga space on MLK right now, and uh, and we're here today to talk about the Jazzanooga Festival, which is in April. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. It's coming Once up again, quick. <laughs> literally around the corner. As folks know, that April is National Jazz Appreciation Month, and for since 2011, that we have tried to do something to really commemorate what jazz is and was and continues to be here inside this city. I think that the role of jazz is so understated. And especially our role as a city. So, you know, we here have the one and only, the queen of the blues and jazz, which is Betsy Smith. So we had to make sure that we celebrate it in a positive way. Yeah, so uh, what is your title exactly with Jazzanuga? Well, you know, some folks call me the janitor, uh, the window washer. It's one of those one, one man <laughs> one, does all. One man does all. But um, I guess on the great application, they say director. Okay, great. So you're the director of Jazzanuga. And, you know, you just mentioned 2011 there. Uh, so is that, is that yeah. when you started Jazzanuga? Jazzanuga is so interesting. Jazzanuga started as a one-day festival. And it started in 2011. Who would have imagined that from 2011, we would be here on ML King Boulevard, and we'd be a year-round programming of things pertaining to arts and culture here in the city, and still do the celebration for jazz. It's been an amazing ride. Right. Okay. So since 2011, you started out as a one-day festival, one day and festival. now you're you're a you're a full-blown organization that has year-round programming. And I think we'll get into some of that here in a little bit too. Of, you know the different kinds of programming you do within the city, because um, you you guys do a lot. Um, as, as a the camp house has partnered with Jazzanuga on several events in the past. So. Uh, and the <laughs> sort of the the range of events as well, but what you know and so take me take me back to two thousand and eleven you know what kind of drove you to start this one day festival to be totally honest with you matt when i when I got here inside Chattanooga in two thousand and three, 
I really wanted to take a look and see how I could be able to participate actively, you know, participate within the arts here in the city. And I realized that there was just this big hole here, um, in my view, about the celebration of jazz. Yeah. And I said, well, you know what? I'll just start a festival. Literally, I'll start a festival. And um, what I did is that I went ahead and reached out to individuals that I started to uh, really started to connect with here in the city, local musicians. And that came forth to be this one-day fest that we did at the Hunter Museum. Okay. Um, just, That's a good place to start. Uh, yeah, yeah, a lot of begging. A lot of, <laughs> <laughs> a lot of begging from a lot of different folks. But, you know, I really wanted us... That just sounds like an artist. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. You know, I realized that I, said I wanted to be a cultural bridge. I wanted folks to be able to understand what our role was in the creation of jazz, you know, and how it evolved. You know, right here in Chattanooga... I always have to tell people that jazz was created by us, it's through us. Jazz is America's classical music. It's one of the only art forms that we did not take from other folk and be able to uh, reinvent it. Jazz is created in the South and it's celebrated worldwide. So why would not, you know, why wouldn't we not have a festival of sorts? Uh, so with that being said, going back to your question, one day, it was one day fest over at the Hunter uh, back in 2011. I just literally asked individuals, you know, one of the greatest things that we have here in the city and one of our biggest assets in the city is our talented community. So bringing those folks together and hosting that. So, so I'm, I'm sure I have a lot of listeners who are going are gonna to listen to this episode and they actually don't know that history of jazz that you just talked about. And, and really just to put you on the spot a little bit because oh I didn't Lord. send this question to you at all. Yeah. But explain that. Like how is it, this is the only, this is one of the few art forms that's truly American. Yes, and it so is. So talk about how that was actually created in the United States. Like why, was, why and how was jazz created? I know that's a big question. Okay, so now why jazz were created? I don't know if I could tell you the why, but I could definitely tell you the how jazz was created. Jazz is a mixture. Jazz is really America's only true art form. You know, so 100 years ago that, you know, in the fields, you know, where black people worked as slaves, they made up those songs from time to time, you know, to express themselves and also the culture and the traditions of their homelands. So it wasn't jazz then, but the way that the slaves were playing the music was different and it was special. You know, so the music of America's black people came to be called jazz in the South in the early 1900s, and that was in New Orleans and Louisiana. And it's, that's often called the birthplace of jazz, believe it or not, in New Orleans. So even despite the slavery that ended in 1865, African-Americans still didn't have the same rights as white Americans, but jazz was music that both white and black people could enjoy. You know, so by the 1920s, jazz was growing in popularity. Jazz was a reflection of what we wanted our community to be. You know, it really, to me, jazz was universal. Music was universal. We connected and were able to celebrate our differences through the power of jazz. 
Okay, so 2011, you really started as a single-day festival at the Hunter. Uh, and then, well, okay, we're sitting here in 2017, and like yes. we mentioned at the beginning, Jazz Nuga is much more than a one-day festival. It's much more than a month-long festival in the, in the month of April. Uh, you do all kinds of stuff now. Uh, so <laughs> explain kind of uh, the, what Jazz Nuga's role in the community is today. You know, I always say when people ask... What is Jazzanuga? I always have to say to folks, Jazzanuga is what the community needs for it to be at that time. I think that it's just like jazz music. Our program and services are constantly evolving. And the same thing again, like with jazz music, it's constantly evolving. So you get a little bit of ragtime jazz, a little bit of soul jazz, a little bit of bebop jazz. Well, with Jazzanuga, I give you a little bit of community programming on education. But in the same breath, I try to create platforms for our locally talented folks to be able to showcase their gifts and talents. One of the things that I love about what we do is that when we have individuals that are coming in here with their gifts, but unfortunately have been able to showcase that, we give them that platform. The same thing is that our after-school programs, our Saturday program with our Jazzanooga Youth Music Academy from the ages of 12 to 18. These are individuals that have been selected to come into the program as they are, as they are. So we get kids from the top of Signal Mountain all the way down here to College Hill Courts. Definitely different backgrounds, but they all come together with the sole purpose of learning more about music. So a lot of them will never become a Beyonce or a Usher but the interactions that they're having with each other, black, white, Latina, rich, poor, is so unique and so rare, and they get an opportunity to realize that they are all connected. Music really is that engine that can bring people together in a really special way. For sure. Um, and, and that's what I love about booking music at the Camp House, is what I love about yes. my job, Yes. Is, is, is that sort of diversity you can bring together in the same room uh, mm-hmm. that, that wouldn't necessarily happen otherwise. And uh, right. you know, one, of my, right. one of my favorite authors is a guy named Andy Crouch, and he grew up playing the piano. And he credits one of the most formative experiences of his life is that when he was in college, he started um, playing music for a black church. Mm. And mm. So he was the only white person in the entire church, mm-hmm. and he was playing piano. Wow. And, uh, and, and before that, he really had no experience with gospel. He's a classically mm. trained <laughs> pianist. Uh, but that he credits as kind of widening his worldview and his experience of music and his appreciation of music more than anything else he ever did. Well, it's funny. I think that a lot of your listeners probably don't know, and I'm going to share right now, is that when Jazzanooga was going through its uh, early stages of becoming what we are today, one of the first venues and our very first community partners was the Camp House, when you were located on William Street, allowing us to take the product that we had produced um, through the Voices of the Creative Underground and host these events with this talented team of folks right here in our community. That right there was the foundation building for Jazzanooga. And we would not be, and I mean that, really mean that, man. We would not be where we're at today if it wasn't for the kinship that we have. That's, that's really great to hear, man. And, and, and kind of what I love about that story, too, and, and this is kind of the direction I want to go with this interview as well, is that uh, now we are, we are both located on MLK. Isn't that ironic? <laughs> Isn't that ironic? <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, you know, our story 
to get to where we are on MLK is very different from yours. But that's the kind of the question I want to ask you is, you know, how did uh, how did you guys end up deciding? Because uh, I, I think you, you made a more conscious decision to be located on MLK than yes. we did. Yes. Um, we were just very fortunate and lucky and, and have, have benefited greatly from that decision. But you chose to be here for a reason. Why did you, why did you choose to be on MLK? That's a really good question. Um, I just realized that when I was doing the research about the city, one thing always kept sticking out was this mecca of entertainment that was known as the Big Nine. Um, which is now called ML King Boulevard. There was a time before there was a Beale Street, before folks ran up or down to Atlanta, this was the spot, especially for African Americans. The storylines about people from World War II, the soldiers getting off the train from that Chattanooga Choo Choo and stepping their hind parts down over here on the Big Nine to celebrate. That to me was like really profound. I was like, we have to somehow be able to celebrate that history because once it's lost, it's lost. So the, it's these storylines. So I knew that when we decided that we wanted to have a space, we intentionally came down to the ML King Boulevard area to animate it with the arts and animate it through the power of music. Um, and, and I'm not going to lie to you, the, the first couple of years, um, because I think that a lot of people saw this area as very dilapidated. Um, they saw this area as the pass-through to get downtown. They didn't see it as this corridor of opportunities. And I think that um, I remember putting up our first banners, ML King Banner Project, where it was this a celebration or recognition of our local folks that went to the national realm but were from here, example being, we had uh, a banner of Clyde Stubblefield. Currently, right now, we're in the Patton building, and there was a woman named Ann Patton was a world harpist, and she even played for President Kennedy, but not a lot of people knew that she started right here in Chattanooga, and her husband owned this building where we're in now, and it used to be his doctor's office. So we intentionally, yes, going back to the question, we intentionally made sure that we wanted to be able to come to ML King Boulevard to share the history and not just to one population, but to all. Yeah, so even more than just sort of creating jazz programming throughout the city and, and really bringing this incredible festival once a month to the city, you really see yourself and, and the role of Jazzanuga being on MLK is preserving this incredible legacy uh, that, that's existed here for, for 100 years now. Oh, for sure, for sure. I think we're just one small part. You know, I think that anyone that um, is on this street has to recognize the history. And I think that what, has, what you have done, seriously, what you have done, you have allowed the story to continue, but also the story to be heard. I think that we can't move forward if we don't know our past. You can't move forward if you don't know your past because you don't have anything to build from. So looking at the historical value of this corridor and letting other people recognize that this is through us, by us, this is our community. You know, will only further enhance this area. 
Yeah, and if, you know, listeners, if you are interested in this story, you know, that we've lightly touched on here as far as the history and the legacy of ML King Boulevard, the big nine, you know, go back to our our live episode that we did in February and uh, the legacy of the big nine that includes Shane and a few other panelists. And and that's what we spent about an hour. I think I split into two episodes. We spent an hour about talking about this legacy. Like, what what did this boulevard, what did this section of the city mean, Um, not only to the African-American community, but to the music community, to the entire South? And uh, and we really do talk about the kind of mecca that it had it had been at one point, and um, and we really do even get into preserving that and how do we move forward as a as a community, uh, knowing that history, preserving that history. You know, Matt, my grandmother used to tell me, my great grandmother actually. Uh, funny story. I'm from five generations of piano players. My great grandmother told me that there's never a new story underneath the sun. There's nothing new underneath the sun. Everything comes in its cycles. Where, and I look at that with ML King Boulevard, is that, yes, it was an entertainment mega at one time, and it went through its changes, but slowly but surely, it's coming back. It's coming back to this grand, to this grand position where it was before, you know, being this mecca. But again, as you stated, not just for African Americans, but for all. You know, and I'm really, I'm, I'm proud that we had an opportunity to affect positive change, you know, through Jazzanooga being here on the street. You know, it definitely has benefited our organization, and I really hope that it has benefited the community at large for us being here. Yeah, I, I would absolutely agree that it has. And, uh, and yeah, I'm excited that, uh, you know, we, I, think, I think we announced our move almost simultaneously. Mm-hmm. Like we, we're, we've both been on the boulevard for just over two years now, and, uh, and so it was really exciting. Uh, to see friends coming with us when we moved here. So, um, well, let's get into this year, 2017. April's 2017. coming up. April is uh, Jazz Appreciation Month, and mm-hmm. uh, and rather than just a one-day festival, now you have a, a festival that's kind of spread throughout an entire month at different places. Uh, and so, I really wanted this episode to be a preview of Jazz Nuga 2017, oh, and uh, and just go through the events you have planned, let people know about them. And, uh, and what can we look forward to? All right, Chattanooga, are we ready? <laughs> Beginning on Sunday, April 2nd, uh, from 11 a.m. to 4 p.m., we have what's called Jazz on the Grass. That's going to be over at Coolidge Park. Um, we're kicking it off with this community concert featuring Sweet Georgia Sound, the University of Tennessee, the Jazz Band, Emmon Street Band, and Blue Groove, which is a jazz band ensemble from the Air National Guard Band of the South. Absolutely free. Bring your blankets, bring your picnic baskets, bring your family. Um, but it's going to be a great time. And we're also giving away free tickets to go on the carousel for the kids. So we got from 11 to 4. Then at 5.30 that evening, we're bringing in, we're honored, we're totally honored, extremely honored actually, to present the world-renowned jazz pianist and singer Judy Carmichael. Um, Grammy, uh, Grammy nominated. She is simply amazing. She has been called by Count Basie, who was a jazz legend, Stride. He called her Stride. This is a particular way of playing piano. They call it Stride playing. And she has this gift of, in some terms, they would call it, she plays a mean piano. Um, and she's going to be playing, performing for us. And that's going to be over at the Chattanooga Theater Center. It's going to be $35 a ticket, but it's the evening of wine, jazz, hors d'oeuvres. Also, our children, our Jazz Nuga Youth Music Academy students will be performing as well. And all the dollars that we raise 
there's not a lot of nonprofits that can say 85% of that dollar goes right back into direct programming services that we offer for the city. So, folks, if you can come on out, tickets are still available. Um, and again, it's the evening with Judy Carmichael. And that, again, is on April 2nd. Then the party continues through the month. April 6th, we have a, we have a collaboration with the UTC that we're presenting here, an organization called Arts.Black. It is an online journal from Black Perspectives really questioning and celebrating and talking about contemporary art from a black African-American perspective. Um, There's going to be a panel featuring Jessica Lynn, who's the co-founder of Arts Black. You also have Josiah Golson, a local here who runs 800 Collective, and James McKissick, actually, that works for the city and happens to be the co-founder of Jazzanooga. The discussion is free. It's going to be at 6.30, so I suggest for folks to come on out here. And is that going to be here at your space? I'm sorry. Thank you. It's going to be here at Jeff Dugar space. We got a lot going on. <laughs> 7 o'clock on the 14th. This one, you know, out of all the events, this one really is the most exciting one for me personally. We're doing a tribute to Clyde Stubblefield. Oh, yes, yes. This is the drummer one. Oh, my gosh. You know, he was self-taught here in Chattanooga. He was playing on cans, drums. He didn't know how to read music, but he epitomized the sound of R&B, funk, and soul. You know, and he's the most sampled drummer in music history. That beat has gone everywhere. He is an icon. So we call it the Icon Tribute, and we're celebrating this through drum performances with Daryl Kelly, Johnny E. Smith, Yeti Westfield, and Jonathan Sushman, and we have a house band that's going to be under the direction of David Anthony. The Voices of the Creative Underground will be performing as well. Some of my students. It will be over at the Waterhouse Pavilion, $20. Party all night, y'all. Party all night. Yeah, what's funny about that, so Johnny Smith is going to be playing. We just released the episode about Songbirds Guitar Museum and, uh, and with Johnny. And we made, you know, we were kind of just joking. It's just really funny that there's a drummer who's in charge of what is essentially the most exclusive collection of rare guitars in the world in the world (laughs) in the world but being a drummer (laughs) but he's a drummer but a fantastic drummer by the way so you guys got to come out and see him on thursday april 20th at 7 30 we're doing another icon tribute and that's to the one and only betsy smith that's going to be over here at jazz nigga art space and again that's thursday april 20th at 7 30 uh ticket price is 15 dollars and we have nishan calloway who is a brilliant performer and does a great tribute to Betsy Smith. She'll be here, and we're making the Jazz Nuga art space into like a speakeasy so folks can feel that Harlem Renaissance and the energy of that on that day. Sunday the 23rd, from 1.30 to 3 o'clock, we have our Sunday Gospel Brunch. We are known for the Gospel Brunch. You know, and it's funny. We have it here now, the Jazz Nuga art space, and we only allow 60 people, and it sells out every single time. And... It's done by, actually, the uh, catering's done by Dip Fresh, and our performer that day will be me. I don't get an opportunity to perform anymore. So, uh, so folks, make sure that you come on down, and that price is $15. Then, on April 29th, Saturday, at 2 o'clock, we're having a art and jazz day party. Right here, $5 to get in the door, and it's going to be featuring... Black Art in America. Black Art in America actually is an online network 
that's focused on African-American art. They're one of the biggest online networks, period, in the world. They have over 700 members, 700,000, excuse me, 700, 700,000 members, and some of their artwork is featured on our walls here at Jesuit Art Space. So we have the founder coming in just to talk about how he started and how just to be a really good art collector with not a lot of money. Uh, so it's going to be a great party. Again, so come on down for that. Two more. 7.30 that same evening, we're doing an icon tribute to Duke Ellington. Um, Duke Ellington is known for, he's the originator of the big band, that big band jazz music. Um, and he's composed thousands of scores for the span of over 50 years. We have Booker T. Scrubs Trio that's going to be here paying homage to him in a special performance, and that's at 7.30, and the price for that is $15. The last thing that we have <laughs> is Sunday, April 30th, at 4.30, here again at the Jazz Nuka Art Space, is a jazz poetry tribute to Billie Holiday. The good thing about this is that we're able to kill two birds with one stone. I say that because April is Jazz Appreciation Month, but it's also National Poetry Month. So we thought it'd be a great way to celebrate that through jazz poetry. And we have Lori Perry Vaughn, who's a local poet here, has wrote a series of poems that celebrate the jazz icon, Billie Holiday. And she's going to be performing with Three-Way Mirror from out of Atlanta, the trio. And that begins here at 5 o'clock. And light refreshments will be available and also cash bar. And that's for $10. Well, you know, I think uh, what I love about what you're doing this month, well, actually, something I'm noticing that you're doing this month, you actually, not that Jazz Nuga Festival has ever not included locals, but this one has a lot of locals in it, which actually brings me back to a question just about Jazz Nuga in general. You know, since 2011, how many locally, you know, approximately how many local musicians have you um, engaged with and, uh, you know, brought in for performances across everything that you're doing? I could tell you, uh, let me give you an example. Uh, last year, if you look at our numbers, um, we had paid over 200 locally, lo yeah, we paid over 200 local performers. And within this space and also through our programs and services throughout the city, over 200. And I, I always tell folks, this is so interesting, Matt, that you asked that. I looked at our numbers of last year and I said, God, we did over 120 shows here, uh, performances and events, just in the space. We have paid out 200, over 200 times for local performers here and we actively try to make sure that the spotlight is always on our local artists. We're able to celebrate this city by strengthening its creative economy. And that's through making sure that our local artists and performers are compensated for their worth. I feel that that's part of our mission, you know, our overall mission to make sure that we're elevating our locally based folks through strengthening this creative economy we have here. Yeah, yeah, and then, you know, on that note, um, so this this episode's coming out this week, right, and, you know, in preparation for your big festival starting on, in April, yes. and then uh, immediately following this, you know, listeners, you can look forward to this, I actually do have a podcast coming out on the music economy with 
Mary Howard Aid and Stratton Tingle and Candace Davis from the CVB. And uh, yeah, so I'm trying to line up a, a good music theme for a few episodes there. Oh, that's funny. And so, and so we, we get into that as well. You know, is, uh, how, how, do we, how do we build up our, our uh, local creatives when it comes to music, uh, when it comes to our local musicians? How do, we, how do we create a music economy in the city? How do we strengthen what's, what's been there uh, for a long time? Because Chattanooga, it's not, you know, Chattanooga has this unbelievable music history when you look back at the Big Nine, but even Riverbend and uh, in Nightfall really are, are two fairly old music festivals for, especially in the South. Um, you know, the modern music festival didn't really start until the early 2000s, but Riverbend goes back 30 years, I think. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. But you also got, you have to, you don't take credit, and I'm, I'm pushing this on you. <laughs> you don't take credit for all that you have done, because I think that People don't recognize that if it's not for the local venues to take a chance, just take a chance of some of these local acts, that only strengthens us as a community. You know, so I think the Camp House, I continuously tell folks that the Camp House is much more than what you think that it is. They are providers, they're helpers, and they are in our community, and I'm so glad for that. Well, thanks, Shane, and I'm, I'm glad you're my neighbor as well. <laughs> Won't you be my neighbor? <laughs> there you go. <laughs> well, great. Well, where can people, uh, you know, kind of look up yes. these events for themselves? Where, where can they get tickets? For information more about, for more information about what we do, how we're doing it, um, how you can be a part of it, go to our website, which is jazzanooga.org. Right now we have a special going on. It's called an all-access pass. Everything that I mentioned with inside this podcast that is ticketed would cost about over $120. But for the price of $80, we're all-access pass. 80 bucks will get you premium seating, all the ticketed events, plus you get a swag bag, you get a t-shirt, and you get our limited edition poster. Can't get any better. Now, 80 bucks to support jazz music in Chattanooga. It's fantastic. All right, well, Shane, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thank you for being here. Well, hopefully you all are jazzed for the month of April. And uh, seriously, April has quickly turned into one of the most culturally rich months of the year here in Chattanooga. Not only is this the Jazzanooga Festival that you just heard about, there's also the Chattanooga Film Festival happening this month. And at the Camp House, we have two great cultural events coming up in April. The Ragu Digzit Project, A Night in India, presented by Mad Priest, and the return of Chattanooga Latin Nights, presented by Exceed Events. You can learn more about those two events and get tickets at thecamphouse.com slash events. And thank you to Shane Morrow for everything he does at Jazznuga, creating excellent performance and educational opportunities in our city, as well as helping to preserve the rich music legacy of Chattanooga. Again, you can learn more about these events you heard about in the podcast and get your all-access pass for Jazznuga 2017 at jazznuga.org. As I mentioned during this episode, next week I will be sharing an interview on the music economy in Chattanooga, featuring the Chattanooga Visitor Bureau's Mary Howard Aid and Candace Davis, as well as Soundcore's Stratton Tingle. So between last week's episode on Songbird's Guitar Museum, this episode with Jazzanooga, and next week's show, it's a bit of a mini-series on the Chattanooga music scene. So if you have a friend who's into music, please share one of these episodes with them and help spread the word about the podcast and all the incredible things happening in our city. And then just a note on our ending song here, this is The Feeling of Jazz by Duke Ellington and John Coltrane, recorded in 1962. 
So thank you all for being here. I hope you have a great day, and we'll see you again next week. Thank you.